everyone. Before we get started, we wanted to let you know about our venue consulting. We have broken up our offerings into four distinct needs, design, sales and client experience, marketing, and those all important SOPs. You can take advantage of one or all of these tricky spots for your venue. If you want to learn more and get a few more details, head on over to hustleandgather.com to see how we can work together and reach your venue goals. All right, let's get to today's show. It was 10 years later. This is make or break it time. Like, I don't have time right. to dick around with this. It just needs to work. Whereas before, we're like, eh, it fails. We'll just live in the house. <laughs> it's a fine house to live in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just a very different mentality. And so to me, when she said that, and the question is, are you ever too old to reinvent yourself? And I think the answer is no. I think you can always do it. Welcome to Hustle and Gather, a podcast about inspiring the everyday entrepreneur to take the leap. I'm Courtney. And I'm Dana. And we're two sisters who have started multiple businesses together. And yes, it's as messy as you think. We know that starting a business isn't easy. I mean, we've done it four times. And on this show, we talk about the ups and downs of the hustle and the reward at the end of the journey. And we love helping small businesses succeed, whether that is through our venue consulting, speaking, or team training. We love to motivate others to take those big leaps. Or you could just use our misadventures to normalize the crazy that is being an entrepreneur because every entrepreneur makes mistakes. But we like to call those unsuccessful attempts around here because we know it's just part of the process. And today we're talking just the two of us about last week's episode with Kelly Breakstone-Roth, co-founder and CEO of The Nopo. The Nopo connects online shoppers with exceptional artisans in some of the most intriguing markets around the world. By bridging geographical distances and language barriers, facilitating safe and secure payment, providing reliable and efficient shipping, and promoting fair trade, they enable both a comfortable and stimulating consumer experience. All right, Dana, let's get started. All right. So there were so many things. Uh, let's jump right into, I think, one of the biggest things was when you talked about conscious consumerism. And I talked a little bit about this in the podcast, about how the way that I, I feel like the last three or four years has really made me think about what I buy and yeah. how I buy it. It doesn't change a hundred percent. Like there's still things I probably like I still shop at Walmart. Yeah. You know, still go target. Yeah. It's unavoidable. It is unavoidable. I think that I've always been on some level, a conscious consumer. I was never an accumulator. Do you know what I'm saying? Like everything was like very intentional, especially like, I guess when I'm thinking about my house, let's say, or like clothing that I buy. Like, I've always been very thoughtful as to, like, my taste or what I like mm -hmm. or something had to have a meaning. Like, most of my pictures are from trips or mm -hmm. from memories that, like, I look at and I want to remember being there. Right. Like, I've never really been one to just put something on the wall just to put something on the wall, you know? Yeah. In general. Mm -hmm. That being said, like definitely bought my fair share of Ikea things and like well, had I to mean, fill a gap and can, whatnot. I don't know much about Ikea's practices. I know they talk a lot about sustainability, although. Yeah. But I definitely think as I've gotten older and like had more finances to think about how I'm going to spend those finances. I mean, sometimes I think you make decisions out of necessity because you only have well, but the isn't money that, for what you but have. Don't, but that's, that's my biggest question is, do you think conscious consumerism comes with privilege? Like, you can't you can't be consciously consume when you don't have the money. I do think that to spend more money on something. So I think that it's it's a conversation for when you have money. Well, yeah, spend. but I think it's also it's hard to break out of habits. Otherwise, you know, like it's hard to break out of things when you and and like one of the biggest things now, not just you know 
talking about housing, house stuff or whatever, but it's clothes. Like there's all this conversation yeah. about how wasteful we are with clothes, like how much clothes end up in a landfill and consistently throw away. And I think Levi's has this big campaign of like buy better, wear it longer, mm-hmm. like spend more money on a pair of jeans so you can wear it for, you know, six, seven years as opposed to spend less a pair on a jeans. And then you're going through four pairs of jeans in six, seven years. Yeah. I feel like for the most part, I've always really kind of been that way. Yes and no, but I can't say that I'm going to buy, I will buy staples, good staples, yeah. but you, I'm not going to buy like a $50 tank top because it's a $50 tank top is the same thing as a $10 oh, tank yeah. top. Oh yeah. Well, that doesn't matter. Like some, I mean? some things you can only be so conscious about. I know. Because it's going to wear out. I know, but I'm saying like, and like to me with the kids, like I, I, we don't really buy like super expensive things at, at certain ages when they're just outgrowing it every or they ruin them. Or they ruin them, yeah, because yeah. what's the point in that? And I think that, I mean, we would both agree that we would be willing to spend more money mm-hmm. on something that we know was ethically sourced right. and an artisan produced. Like, I mm-hmm. love that about her pieces. Right. But I think I haven't gotten there with, like, my kids' clothes. No. Like, it's all about just what is useful and what they yeah. need at the time. Yeah. But maybe it's just about, like, I think, too, is, like, I was talking to Ada about this the other day. She was picking up a room and I was like, man, I was like, I haven't seen you wear anything super cute to school in a long time. She wears like the same sweater, the same jeans, the same shoes mm-hmm. all the time. And she has all these clothes and maybe it's just paring that down. Maybe it's realizing they don't need to have 20 outfits because they're not going to wear them. Yeah. They're like, only they're gonna just going to wear, wear five. Like, yeah. And like, repeat. right. And you have that. And then, and then maybe it is just being more conscientious about trying to shop in the Goodwill or something like yeah. that because half the clothes she wears, she got at the Goodwill because there's actually very nice things there. Yeah. <laughs> like, but it's giving it extra life, right? It's not a cost thing. It's not because, you know, I want to spend less money. It's just I have a hard time spending money on something that I know she's going to wear three times. Right. I liked how she, when she was talking kind of about her idea to even start the NOPO, is she found herself in her other positions, like in the military and the government, and she called herself an entrepreneur, which mm-hmm. I thought was super interesting, mm-hmm. meaning she was constantly trying to like reinvent and change things that she could control, like within, in the environment that she was company, in. Yeah. yeah. So I thought was really interesting. Yeah. I think that, I think it's almost like a, you might be a good entrepreneur if. This reminds me of the, a, a little bit on like a more like satirical, funny side of when we were talking with Morgan, how she said that she's unemployable oh, yeah, right. by uh, every company that she's right. ever worked for because she thought she was going to own that company. Right, like right. she worked it like she was going to own it. And yeah. she constantly was butting heads with like the management or the bosses or whatever. Yeah. I definitely think there's a balance <laughs> yeah. there for sure. <laughs> but no, but I really love that because I think that not everyone, ha- and she talked about that, like how being an entrepreneur in a lot of ways is a privilege. Like you have the privilege to not take a salary for a few years. Sure. You have the privilege of having a partner that can carry the weight of, you know, raising the children and stuff like that. And like, and so there's some people who don't have that opportunity. And I think that as a boss, that is what I always want to instill in my employees. Not that I want them to go start their own companies or anything, but I would 100% support everyone in our company right yeah. now who wanted to. I would support them in that. But I want them to feel like they own a piece of it, like that right. they that they have the the ability to change, you know, a process or to look at something and say, this is stupid. Why are we doing it this way? Let's change it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that whoever we hire does kind of have that, like, like loyalty, ownership, like I'm going to make this better kind of thing in them. But I think that we foster that in our mm-hmm. business. 
And I think it actually makes less entrepreneurs because I think that they're fulfilled where they sure. are. Right. You know, right. I think that's a, one of the things yeah. that makes somebody loyal is if they feel like they have ability to change their surroundings. Well, and I think, you know, going back to what you said about Morgan, I think you have to figure out, like, we talk about this often, who you are as a boss, who you want on your team. And she yeah. says, like, one of her pieces of advice was getting the right people on the bus. Yeah. Which I think the right people on my bus is going to be different than the right people on somebody else's bus. Sure. And yeah. I think that that, like, is such a interesting thing. And I think that when she talks about, like, how her time with the Israeli government really showed her that like who she needed to be on her team, how her team needed to be managed in a lot of ways, like figuring out who those people are. Or that the right or wrong people can really like make or break a campaign or make oh, or break a business. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think that's equally as important as sure. knowing who should not be on your bus. A hundred percent. Yeah. And so I, have you ever had anybody on your bus and you can't say me cause I'm not going anywhere, but maybe it is that you've wanted to kick off your bus there have definitely been, I mean, our, our worst hire, I would say, is the person I felt like I wanted to get, I wanted to kick them off the bus because yeah, I've, I felt it very deeply that they were destroying our company culture. I mean, personally, just some friendships I've had to let go, but this yeah. is, they just, you know, made me feel bad about myself or they didn't serve me in that time of my life. Or I felt like I consistently was saying sorry about something I couldn't control, you know, yeah. like, and I just have created the, those boundaries there's people I would love to kick off the bus that I can't, you know, because <laughs> they're like family and, but they make me upset, but you know. But they're permanently on the bus. They're there. <laughs> they might be driving it. They might be driving it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Like I remember, I think I've talked about this before that I was a nanny for mm -hmm. uh, family for years and years and years, like six or seven years. And I realized like, how badly this person made me feel about myself mm -hmm. in the guise of being someone that loves me and cares about mm -hmm. me, you know, but it just really made me feel like so bad. Like, mm -hmm. just, like I wasn't good enough no matter what I did. I mean, like pluck my eyebrows the right way, you know, mm -hmm. like it was all these things. And at one point I just woke up one day and I was like, I don't need this. Like, mm -hmm. I don't need to interact with you. Like, I don't need your validation. Mm -hmm. Like you're doing nothing but harming me. Mm -hmm. And I totally like ended the relationship. Mm -hmm. just big wall. Yeah. Done. And I've seen that person a couple of times, like, since then, just happenstance or whatnot. And every time I see them, it's just, like, affirming that, oh, yeah, that was the right decision. Yeah. yeah. Like, every single time. Has there been anybody that, like, surprisingly, like, became – and she, maybe she talks – kind of going back to what she about how you should have, like, advisors and people. And I, and I feel like those are people that would be on your bus, right, the people right. that you advise. And we've talked about our board of directors before, so you go over that again. But has there been anyone that has surprised you recently – that maybe sneaked their way onto your bus and you didn't realize it. Yeah, probably people in the industry, like yeah. that I didn't think that I needed connections with, but I'm actually really close with. Like mm -hmm. someone like like Vicky with Rocky mm -hmm. Top, mm -hmm. you know, like such a good friend and such a good supporter. Yeah. Like Lynn Graves actually mm -hmm. is like a super good friend and a great supporter. And and I didn't never thought of myself as someone who like needed a tribe. Like right. I just needed yeah. like a core. Right. And I definitely feel like I have a lot of friends in the yeah. industry that like I didn't know that I needed right. or that I can talk to. Even even some of the like younger up and coming people that I was like, who is this pipsqueak trying to take our <laughs> yeah. corner lot, you know, or whatever. Like um, Chelsea with the Gathering Co. Like uh, I really yeah. respect her as a planner. Yeah. And I remember when she first came on the scene, I was like, who are you? <laughs> like literally, you know. Yeah. But actually, I feel like I can talk with her yeah. about business things right. and I find what she does inspiring, right. you know, and I never thought that I would get there. Right. 
But I think there's just something, too, about being really comfortable and settled with who and what your business is and mm-hmm. what you bring to the table mm-hmm. that allows you to be, like, really welcoming and open to other people. Do you yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah. So for me, like, so we hired Megan, our publicist, in September. And so she was on our bus because I hired her to be on my bus. Like, she's, I'm paying yeah. for her to sit in the seat. That's true. Right? You are. And I just... And the relationship was very much like that. And so recently we were in California. We got to spend some time with her. We wouldn't have always enjoyed who she is as a she's person. She's highly entertaining. She's so entertaining yeah. and fun to be around and just – Always uh, happy. Always happy, yeah. very optimistic. Well, we had this chat after Cater Source, and we didn't get a gig, and it was, like, just grating on me or whatever. And I said something in our conversation that, like, later on bothered me that I said it. And so I sent her an email, and I was like, hey, like – I said this statement. I didn't really mean for it to come out that way. This is all news to me. I have no idea. Yeah, this is what I meant to say. This is where that's coming from. It's a little bit of projection or whatever. And then I was saying like, like I'm just a little, like I'm a little sour about what, that we didn't get this gig. And, you know, I feel like I played the game. I feel like I've worked so hard for this organization, blah, 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 all this stuff. And just wanted to say thanks. Thanks for being in our corner. I know we're on the cusp, blah, 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 whatever. And she wrote back this really nice email and it took a day. She's like, I wanted to write something thoughtful. Mm -hmm. I had a ton of meetings, whatever. And she shared a really personal story about validation and how what needs to come from within. Like it can't be from an outside source. Like mm-hmm. you, if you're striving to get validated by somebody else, then you're, it's always going to fail. Like you're yeah. never going to get that validation. It has to come from what you know you're doing. And and it was just like a really nice email. And I was like, and it was just such a powerful thing to made me realize like she's right. And I would have never gone to her in that capacity to like give me advice or speak yeah. something. Not that... I mean, I think that she can, but it just, I didn't realize that she was no longer a paid seat on my bus. She's just on my bus. Right. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so that's kind of what made me think of it when she was saying that, like advisors that you just maybe didn't realize were there yeah. to all of a sudden, like show themselves to it. But yeah, but those great piece of advice is making sure you get the right people on that bus. Because, I mean, I think it's definitely, like, a journey for sure. Like, mm-hmm. entrepreneurship, I think that's, like, one of the common things with everybody mm-hmm. for the most part. If they're willing to talk about it is that entrepreneurship is a journey. And and she mentioned that. Like, nothing happens all of a sudden. But mm-hmm. basically, you're doing all these things and you're growing into what you become. I felt mm-hmm. like she gave herself a, a lot of work but also, like, a lot of grace mm-hmm. to, like, be able to, like, make those mistakes and work through mm-hmm. those things and talk with her advisor and ask people questions and – because she realized that, like, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm growing. But do you feel like that comes from, because she talks about, like, she said it, like, I, 40 was looming. And if I was going to do, I was going to reinvent myself now is the time. And I think, I think there is something a little bit more, you have a little more weight to it when you are at, at that turning point in your life. Where I feel like sometimes when I look at our journey and our path, we weren't at a turning point in our life. We were just like, this was just. We had a discovery, a discovery point. Yeah, we, but it was just it was just adding on to our current life. It wasn't like we were doing this thing and then we're going to take this big like change. Mm-hmm. You know, we're like, okay, we're going to do this for a little bit. It's going to be on the side, on the side. And then, okay, it's slowly just taking over more and more and more of our life until it's, you know, situated itself there. Where I feel like for her, she was reinventing what she was herself completely so that there was almost, I don't want to say more invested in it, but like the process, maybe more invested into the actual process of it, more weight was given to it. Well, sure. But I mean, I think about where you're at now, like being 40, assuming she's 40, so she's about to turn 40, and having three kids and having a successful career. And then the thought of upending that and taking away from 
from what you know is going to take away mm -hmm. from your family and your kids and your life, there is a lot more invested in it. There is more weight. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, I think there's that, but I think there's also more confidence because you've already weathered mm -hmm. some things and there's not the same, like, the only way I could describe it is like spasticness. Mm -hmm. Like everything's not the end of the world, right? Mm -hmm. Things are going to be successful and things are going to fail. Some things are going to be great. Some things are going to be so-so. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. Like that's how life is. You know what I mean? It's not like you're going to knock it out of the park every time you do something. But I think when you start something when you're young and you don't have like that barometer mm -hmm. of life to reflect on, it's like you have this expectation that it's just – going to be knocked out of the park and well, then when just, it doesn't it's like tragedy no I just think when you're older you have you have a more clear picture of who you want to be like you have a path of reinvention like okay this is where I am this is where I want to be and and it may not end up being exactly like that like it may deviate some and you may go down this path and this path but you're you're so leaned into the process because you're like I'm I'm changing the trajectory of my life whereas I, f I feel like for us that we weren't changing the trajectory of our life well, we were, there, we just didn't know it. No, right. We didn't know it. So like the process seemed long. It seemed daunting. It seemed overwhelming. And then, and then there are certain points in our business I can look at it and say, this is when we decided to change the trajectory. Like, mm -hmm. and, and it wasn't like a complete 360. It's not like we started a whole new business or anything like that. But we did, you know, decide that we were going to change the path that we were on. And the process of that, we leaned into that process more easily. We believed in that more easy, like more than maybe before, right? Sure. Like, I think too, like if we were, I think back to like we built the Bradford, same situation. Everything was the same other than our age, right? It was 10 years later. I feel fairly confident that we would have walked into it with a completely different financial mindset. Sure. It would have been all in 100%. Yeah. It would have been this like scary little tiptoe into it, right? Because at that point, it's going to be like, this is make or break it time. Like, I don't have time right. to dick around with this. It just needs to work. Whereas before, we're like, eh, if it fails, we'll just live in the house. <laughs> it's a fine house to live in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just a very different mentality. And so to me, when she said that, and the question is, are you ever too old to reinvent yourself? And I think the answer is no. I think you can always do it. I hope not. I mean, I feel like then that's like being stagnant. You know yeah. what I mean? But I'm sure at some point you get too tired to reinvent yourself. Yeah. Like at some point do you just – but then I, I think too, like even when you retire, isn't that like a reinvention? It is. Sure. Like you're on to something different, on yep. to something new. Mm -hmm. I think so. So I hope not. Well, I, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I was listening to uh, Glennon Doyle's podcast about regret. Mm -hmm. And she – they were talking about like their deepest regrets they had in life. And I think you have, but I am having some brain fog, so. Yeah, it, so she basically said that if you don't have any regrets, it means you've never changed. Yeah. Like, you were, people, regret is an indication that you have changed, that yeah. who you are has changed because it's, you wouldn't have handled it the same way, right? Yeah. And I think it was, it wasn't like a way to say, okay, you have a free pass to act like an asshole or anything like that, but it was like, okay, you have a free pass to forgive yourself. Because if you can look back at a situation and say, oh, I have no regrets of how I handled it, then you have not changed or evolved in any way, right? right? Which I thought was like super powerful. And I think that I hope that I hope they'll always have regrets. I hope I'll look back in 10 years and regret this year. we did today. Yeah. <laughs> or I'll regret an interaction I had. Or I'll regret, you know, all these things because I hope that I am always changing. I'm always evolving. Yeah. I'm always reinventing 
I think that's probably true. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. One of the things that I found like the most interesting about her story is the fact that she grew up in Israel and they mm -hmm. have that mandatory mm -hmm. two years of military service, mm -hmm. which I guess she like moved into like, 10 or 15 years of government mm -hmm. service. I'm assuming it's similar. Sure. Yeah. Which I can't really like, wrap my mind around. Like no. graduating from high school and then going directly into military service. But then at the same time, I see some value in it as yeah, well. Sure. Like where there's a better understanding and almost like a stewardship mm -hmm. of the country that you live in mm -hmm. that I think would be beneficial. Mm -hmm. But then I couldn't imagine like what role would I have played in some mandatory military I have no idea. service. I don't know. I, do I, they I do, all have to go through basic training? I don't know. I think maybe it depends on what you're doing. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I think it. I think it is super interesting. I think it's something that would never happen in America ever. Like because they would feel like it would be like impeding upon oh, their rights. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I think it would be a. I think it would be the most corrupt thing in the world that the rich don't have to do it, and yeah, it would just become another like social barrier in well, some Israel's way. Israel a significantly smaller country. I mean, there is that too. Yeah. What I loved about it when she talked about how it was a melting pot is mm -hmm. so it didn't matter. Yes. Like it was not like, you know, like the rich people were here, the poor people were here. It was like everyone was together from all different backgrounds, from all different, you know, socioeconomic places. Like everyone was had the same goal, the same task, the yeah. same everything, right? Which I love that about it. Right. And I think, and I think that is what breeds compassion and it breeds empathy because mm -hmm. you start to see yourself in somebody else that you never would have like sure. hung out with or went to something super scary. Like she talked about some people got out of it traumatized because they, you know, saw combat. But can you imagine hating someone, being told to hate someone so much? And we're dealing with this right now in our country because the color of their skin and then you're going through a traumatic event with them where they had to have your back and mm -hmm. maybe they helped get you through this thing. Like how different you're going to look at that person because of that. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a completely negative thing. It would be a hard thing as a parent, parent yeah, because there'd be a lot of fear, but I, I don't think I would begrudge it. Yeah. Well, especially if there's lots of options. And especially if it's just short, it's like two years. Two years, yeah. Like I can see, it'd be different if it was like four or five, like that seems a little intense, but taking like an 18 to 20 year old who's thinks they know everything, yeah. give them some life experience and then decide like, okay, I want to. Go be a doctor. I want to go be a teacher. Your whole life is still ahead of you. I know. And then you're just pushing like them being an adult till 24. I mean, there's nothing negative about that. Yeah, I definitely think there's definitely, I think, possibly more positives than negatives. I think there is more positives if it's yeah. if it's run right. Yeah. Right. And she was saying how it's like, for the most part, they have a great reputation. Obviously, there's bad apples. And I hate every time you talk about something that's great, you have to be like, oh, but then there's always exceptions. There's always going to be exceptions. There's always going to sure. be yeah. assholes to it. but. Yeah, but I mean, I think it would probably make more socially conscious and mm -hmm. for the most part, you for know, productive right. adults that care about the country right. that they've served for. Right. Well, then they care about everybody in the country because right. you're not just protecting one group of people. You're protecting yeah. every single person that was born on that soil, yeah. no matter what you agree or don't agree with. I think it's super interesting. So I really love this statement that she made. Um, we're just kind of like bouncing all over the place here. But um, she, she was talking about how she was this avid traveler and she loved to get lost in the streets. Mm -hmm. And she found these beautiful pieces of art or things from these artisans, but they were, you only really only find them when you get lost. Yeah. 
just like what a metaphor for life. For life, I know. Yeah. And so it made me think about not necessarily art I have found when I've gotten lost because I definitely found some super interesting things going on some random ass streets in different countries. But like what is it that you have found maybe about yourself, maybe about business, like in the midst of being very lost? I definitely think that, I mean, I've talked about it before on the podcast or I've went through 36, 37, very, very lost. I'm not saying I'm like completely 100% found, but being able to have that feeling of like, who am I? Like, what do I stand for? Like, what do I want out of life? And like asking those really hard questions, I think, really anchored me. Mm -hmm. And I would say as far as like life and business in general, like when I felt lost, it's a little less scary to me. Like I understand my tenacity. Like I understand my will. I understand my ability to refine or re-anchor. So it doesn't scare me so much to be lost. And there's actually, I, I felt that way kind of at the beginning of uh, 2022, end of 2021. Like we were walking into this year and it's been a hard year in terms of just work and volume and volume of stuff. But I remember walking into it feeling like a great unknown. Like I did not know where 2022 was going to end up at the beginning of it, mm -hmm. you know? And there's something really exciting about that. Like there's something that I really like about not knowing and letting that path kind of like unfurl in front of me. Mm -hmm. So I think you stay curious when you're lost, keeps you open. And I think it opens new possibilities because you're less control. You don't have control. So it's got to take what the universe gives you. Sure. Mm -hmm. What about you? I think. Are you ever lost, Dana? Yeah. I mean, I think the, I think the point of it all, and I think where this metaphor comes in is she was saying how you find the value, you find the beauty. You can only find that when you get lost. And I think that there is a lot of truth to that. Like mm -hmm. that even in business, when I think about the most lost we've ever been, you know, I think back to the first time, like when Bailey quit, we were like, oh, oh my God, what are we going to do? But cried about it. But so much beauty came out of it. Yeah. Right. And I think that every time that we've, we've come to this point where we're trying to find our way through the forest and get to the other side of it. Like we are shedding things we don't need. We're picking up things that we do need and we're, we're just fine tuning it. So the next time we're on that path, it's a little bit more clear what it's supposed to be. Yeah. Right. And I, I just, I just, when she said that, it just made me think of it. Like that's just like a beautiful way to look at life in general. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. So All I guess right. we got to move on to the fuck up of the week and I know what yours is and you can go first. Yeah, my fuck up of the week is apparently COVID is not dead. And I was thinking <laughs> yeah. that maybe when you're in an airport, use this as a PSA or on an airplane, you should probably still wear a mask. Probably because yeah. probably where you got it's it. probably where I got mm -hmm. it. So you're, it's amazing how close people are now. I mean, I it feels like, I don't know, so close. No one's wearing a mask. And I got COVID coming back from California. And I felt bad, like, on the flight back. But I thought it was just and I felt panicky. Like, it was very weird. Remember? Mm -hmm. I was, like, super, like, anxious feeling, which is – I have some level of anxiety. I was like, that's but, not abnormal. <laughs> but, I mean, I was, like – Yeah. Like, my body was feeling anxious. I couldn't keep my eyes open. Mm -hmm. Like, I was so, so tired. And then I woke up Saturday really, really tired with a sore throat. And then Sunday, same thing. And I remember telling Dana about it. And then we had a talk, which is – we were doing on uh, Tuesday for NACE, for uh, our organization, at our venue – that we were pinch hitting for somebody else who was in the hospital mm -hmm. with like a lung infection. Uh, and I was like, I'm going to take this test just to make sure it's going to be around all these people. 
of course it was positive. And I was like, well, isn't this just a repeat of January? And mm-hmm. when I had to go to Charlotte and do our talk, it just seemed very uh, ironic, honestly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I think uh, not wearing the mask on the airplane and in the airport, I would highly recommend it, especially if you haven't had COVID in a while. Yes. I even know what your week was like because I haven't seen you. So what was your fuck up of the week? I don't know. I think I think it's pro- probably the biggest thing would have been Wednesday. Oh, yeah. That was, that's a good one. So Ada was sick last week. She did not have COVID, but she had some kind of like cold or whatever. And, and I, I had a sneaky suspicion it developed into an infection. And so Tuesday night, she was up all night. I actually called my mom and I was like, uh, I can't get Ada to stop coughing. Should I take her to the ER? Like, blah, whatever. And we got her to finally calm down and called in the morning and she made a doctor's appointment to get her checked out. Well, that was Wednesday morning and and Bishop had to get neutered that morning as well. And he had to go up to Wake Forest area. And I had to do the CPR class with the team, which I was originally bowing out of because I was so busy. And then Courtney got COVID and we're like, one of us has to be there or should be there. Or whatever. So I was like, I'll go. So the night before I get this talk, right, at NACE, and I'm leaving, and I was like, hey, where is the CPR class? And Sarah's like, oh, it's on the calendar, but it's in Carborough. And I was like, okay. And when she said Carborough, for some reason, my mind said, thought Morrisville. Like, Obviously the same. It's not the same. So <laughs> I get home. I'm telling Sam. I was like, okay, originally, like, he was going to take Bishop to the vet. And I was like, hey, I'll go take Bishop because Morrisville's not too far. I'll just be able to hop right back on. 540 and get there and you take Ada to the doctor because I knew I couldn't get to the doctor and he was like okay sounds great so I drive Bishop up there it's forever I mean wake force in the morning is terrible and I gave myself plenty of time I had like 30 minutes to get there I I punch in the address and it says Carborough and I was like what and it was like 45 minutes away and every every two minutes it was like 55 minutes hour and 10 Mm -hmm. minutes because of all the traffic and I called Sarah and I was like are we allowed to come late and she was like the guy said no (laughs) Thanks, everyone, for gathering us today to talk about The Hustle. For our episode with Kelly, we are drinking a Kiev Mule. We hope you get a chance to make it this week, and cheers to conscious consumerism. To learn more and connect with Kelly, you can visit her business on Instagram at the.nopo or visit the website thenopo.com. And to learn more about our hustles, visit us on the gram at CD Events, at the Bradford NC, and at Hustle & Gather. If you're interested in learning more about our speaking, training, or venue consulting, head to our website at hustleandgather.com. Also, if you love us and love the show, we would be more than honored if you left us a rating and a review. This podcast is a production of Earfluence. I'm Dana. And I'm Courtney. And we'll talk to you next time on Hustle and Gather. <laughs>